Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Urzu. Hello. Why so timid? <laughs> Not timid. Excited. Okay. <laughs> Last week we talked about Stargate SG-1 Season 4, Episodes 2 and 3, with some drama and moral dilemmas. And today we're going to be talking about Episodes 4 and 5, Crossroads and Divide and Conquer. Crossroads premiered on July 21st, 2000, was written by Catherine Powers and directed by Peter DeLuise. Divide and Conquer premiered on July 28th, 2000, was written by Tor Alexander Valenza and directed by Martin Wood. So it's time for some romance in both of these episodes. Arzu, would you please summarize? Tor Alexander Valenza, you are my hero. Um, <laughs> it, it took a minute for me to remember what Crossroads was about because Divide and Conquer really took a lot of my attention. So yeah. In Crossroads, this lady with an unpronounceable name, Shawnock, Shawnock, shows up talking about how her little multivitamin worm is ready to move on to another host, and she has managed to separate her two beings and communicate with it and turned it against the cause of the Gwauld. And now they're like, cool, we can use all its knowledge against the Gwauld. Anyway, moving on, divide and conquer. There's a spy in SG-1's ranks, and they don't know who it is, and they're using this device to like suss out this spy thing that the Gwauld are using that like infects your mind. So you think you're telling the truth, but you're not actually telling the truth. But more to the point, Sam Jack Shippers, we are being fed. <laughs> We're being fed crumbs. We are still being fed. <laughs> I, if you could see our notes. I'm having a mel- I was having a meltdown yeah. by the end of this episode. Like yep. the thoughts were incoherent. Can't wait to get to that. <sighs> Listen. <laughs> Listen. Okay. I know I keep saying I'm impatient and I want to just get to it and I wish they would just get on with it. But when the slow burn hits. Yeah. When you get the. Look, I'm a little dizzy right now. When you get the crumbs <laughs> for the slow burn. It's so good. It's so it's good. so thing. good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love watching you thrive like this. <laughs> I I don't know what it's like to lose. <laughs> Just hold on to that. Hold on to that feeling. No! I don't like that. <laughs> it's fine. It's going to be fine. <laughs> okay, let's do our quote reveal. Last week I gave you the quote, We found Gwold blood in Shawnock's bloodstream and trace amounts on her hands. And your guess was that Dr. Frazier is speaking about the new character, Shawnock, who was sent to the SGC with a problem. So I guess you were right about the context, but it was Teal'c who delivered the line. And I I tricked you. I knew you'd guess Dr. Frazier, but it was Teal'c who said it. Yeah, <laughs> but I was right. I, like, I'm surprised that of the things to get right and wrong, that I got the context pretty bang on. Yeah. But got the character wrong. I feel like the context is usually easier to guess, though. I mean, in terms of being I mean, like, I, yeah, I guess this is a problem. More specific, yeah, a like more it's a problem context. that a new character has brought to the SGC is like a pretty general context. Yeah. I mean, usually the quotes are a little vaguer in terms of context, so yeah, yeah. This time it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. So right off the bat in Crossroads. 
somebody comes through the Stargate using Braytac's code, and it is not Braytac, it is a woman who Tilk sees and is immediately speechless, and it just launches me into this whole thing of Tilk. You have a wife. The number of times I've written Teal'c, you are married in my in my notes. And I'm like, is Daniel rubbing off on you? I think I think Daniel's having an effect. He's like, wife, I don't have a wife. Right? Arguably, this is worse. Yeah, Arguably. because his wife is not lost. She's on, she's at the land of light. He sees her regularly. Child. Yeah, he goes to see her on the weekends. And like Daniel is just not smart, so Daniel will be, like, distracted by somebody pretty, and then he'll, like, move on. Teal'c is like, let me sleep with this woman and just throw my whole life away for this woman. And I'm like, Teal'c! He was fully planning to move back to Chulak with her. Like, you can't get to the (laughs) land of light from Chulak? I don't think. Maybe you can. I don't know. Well, I mean, Stargate to Stargate. I guess he could. Like, it's not easy. And, like, when you show up and your wife's like, hey, how's it going? He's like, yeah, I'm shacking up with somebody. Like, explain that one to her. Are they, like, maybe not married? Are they, like, consciously uncoupled? I don't know. Unless they consider themselves technically separated because she got married to the other guy who was killed. But she's a widow. And also, I don't think she knew Tilk was alive when she did that. No, she didn't. So, like, and but also, Teal'c's back now, and yeah, they've been spending weekends together. And I guess there's a possibility that Jaffa culture allows for polygamy, but we've never seen evidence of that. Nah, I feel like the writers just forgot Teal'c has a wife. <laughs> I feel like that too. And they're like, wait, <laughs> she, it's fine, it's fine, but it's not, it's really not fine. Teal'c. I noticed something with uh, with Shanak when she showed up, mm-hmm. which is an ongoing trend in this show, mm-hmm. which is that if a woman shows up in a sexy dress, oh. she cannot be trusted. Mm. Like I said in my notes, I'm like, I don't trust her. She has too much cleavage. Yeah. And like, ultimately, she was fine, but but her multivitamin was lying to them. Do... Do we think that Shawnak knows that Teal'c is married? Or that she doesn't know? Teal'c knows Teal'c is married. I know, but does Shawnak know? I don't know, I don't... but Teal'c knows. I mean, I'm not putting any blame on Shawnak because, like... I don't know that she knows. Like, she didn't make any mention of it. But then neither did Teal'c. I, I feel like she purposefully didn't ask. You she know? Yeah. I mean, she would have known that Teal'c was married in the past, but she may not know if Dreyok is still alive. Given how invasive her worm is, I'm thinking maybe she did know and the worm was just like yeah. playing with her mind a little. I think it was just like she was hot for Teal'c and purposely didn't ask. I mean, like, I understand the impulse. Yeah. I am, yeah, like, I have, I can see Christopher Judge. I understand the impulse. Yeah. But... He's married. And also because until recently she's been a priestess, which means like as a priestess, she was probably a virgin. And it's only been in the past couple months, maybe a year or two at most, that she has believed that the gold are bad. And I don't know if she's still technically a priestess anymore or not. Uh... 
probably not. Or if she is, she's not really following her not, vows. Uh, yeah, she's not keeping her vows. Because it's pretty heavily implied in this episode that they bang it out. Yeah. So. <laughs> like, you don't just walk into a candlelit room like that and then have a casual conversation and leave. Like, and Plus, also, when he left her room, it was morning time because Daniel was going to get breakfast. And right. Tilk had a very big smile on his face. Tilk so. kept this shit-eating grin of his the whole time. <laughs> yes. He was very happy to see her. He was just like the smuggest smile. I'm like, oh, they had a lot of sex. I feel like maybe he had a crush on her when they were young, but she went off to be a priestess, so she couldn't be with him. And so he found Dreyok and married her. And then, like, Shawnot comes back, and she's, like, no longer keeping to her vows anymore since she believes the Gwil old or evil. And but he's also, like, all right. But cat. he's still married. Yes. <laughs> Just all men do is lie. I know. The never worst. Jack would never. Seriously. Jack would never. <sighs> we actually kind of talk about exactly how Jack would never in the next episode. Because he rebuffs somebody. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Just the perfect man. <laughs> so I guess like okay let's kind of get back to the plot okay well before we get to back to the plot plot I do want to acknowledge that Shawnock's outfit looks like Flintstone's chic it really does <laughs> like it really does because <laughs> it's like Flintstones with some bling on it and yeah, fancy and like a very very obvious wig <laughs> like, it's not subtle. It's a, like very. It's too shiny and too big, and, and like it's it's one of those ways way too perfect to have a part in the hair. Yeah, yeah. Which makes it a very obvious wig. Yeah. Uh, but her makeup was on point. I liked her makeup. That was oh, she's gorgeous. Good. Oh yeah, she's really pretty. But that outfit was something else. It had some interesting cutouts, and it was it was like a. She had leggings on, but then there was also like a skirt, a long skirt that went to the floor around the sides and back. 2003 icon. <laughs> so it's like her bottom half was 100% covered, but her top half was like all boob. She she had to pick. She could either show her legs or her boobs, and she went with boobs. Yeah. yeah. And even though the outfit was technically covering her Jaffa pouch so that they didn't have to, you know, have that <laughs> that on there all the time during filming. I'm sure it was a pain. Um, it's still like her her little symbiote got angry and like bust through her clothing like the alien. It was very alien. Yeah, I haven't even seen that movie and I know I'm like that Me is neither. exactly like alien. <laughs> I've seen Spaceballs so I know this yeah, there you go and then her outfit didn't look like it was torn later i mean did she stitch back up like, she got a new one no no she didn't get a new one she got a whole new outfit <laughs> so plot plot yes <laughs> this one comes she calls jack tilk's apprentice which is funny hammond 
really liked the way that she complimented him at first, but then when she was like, I need you to contact the Tok'ra, or bring me to the Tok'ra, he was like, ah! Because Hammond has seen the other seasons of this show and knows you can't trust a lady with that much cleavage. (laughs) So her symbiote is ready for a host, and once a symbiote is ready for a host, then it it can no longer stay in a Jaffa's belly anymore, and um, so they need to get a new one. And she calls her symbiote Kolma, which is means child. And I was like, well, that's weird and creepy, but it's kind of true that being a Jaffa is kind of like being pregnant. Yeah, you're raising a thing to go live on its own, like raising it yeah. in your body. Yeah, you're kind of, well, I mean, she's not growing it, but it is growing inside of her. Yeah, like her, her body's not contributing to the growth, but it is yeah, growing in her body. Yeah, and it's like in her stomach area, just like a human being. Which makes me think that in the Gould culture, I think it's only priestesses that are also Jaffa because mm-hmm. of it. Because they, you know, presumably don't have sex ever and don't need to carry right. human children. But in order to make more Jaffa, human women have to have the babies because I don't think you'd be able to get pregnant. If you were a Jaffa. Probably not. The, so, the cut in your stomach, I think, pr- precludes that. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. So, I mean, I guess that's some good birth control? <laughs> it's the... No! I mean, because Sherlock can't get pregnant. Just wrap it before there. you tap it. Don't get a whole, like, worm in there. Well, not that kind of worm. <laughs> Well, I was just thinking, like, in Shawnock's affair with Teal'c, like, she didn't have to worry about getting pregnant. No, she didn't. But I don't know that that should be anybody's first choice. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I was like, okay, that's, it's a creepy analogy, but it is accurate that it is kind of like being pregnant, so. Yeah. Yeah. And then she's like, would I not love this thing as I would love a child of my own? I'm like, I don't think so. (laughs) It's a worm. (laughs) I think it's different a little so many of my comments are about the two of them me me too it's just a lot of sir you are married and at one point i call him a skank (laughs) okay so they do eventually bring in the tokra to talk to them and and hear shanok's proposition that she has communicated with her symbiote and convinced it that the gold are evil and it wants to join the Tok'ra. And the Tok'ra are like, uh, sure, we could try. <laughs> so <It> Seems legit. <laughs> so they go to the Tok'ra planet and you know, we have Anise there again and I mean, she's mostly being nice this time. Yeah. This time. <laughs> And so the symbiote kind of insists upon being let out and they do have the host there available. So the symbiote goes into the host and Shawnok gets a new larval gold to help heal her because the whole thing has weakened her a lot. And the Tokura are like, okay, y'all can go home now and we'll update you when we hear more basically and jack is like wait 
there's ghoul old secrets. I want to know the ghoul old secrets. And Tokara are like, no, no, you're good. You can go home. <laughs> I feel like the thesis of this season is them getting foiled at every turn when they want, like, we need weapons. No, we need information. No, like anything they want. The other groups are like, no, I think you're fine. Yeah. You don't need it. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and Jack is like, the Tokra boned us again. And I was like, I mean, not quite. Boning, but... but there's no Tokra involved in the boning. <laughs> no. And yeah, Shawnock calls Teal'c my love. And I'm like, okay. Yikes on bikes. Yeah. And so basically the symbiote who calls himself Tanith, which makes me think, do the Gwold name themselves? Because they go from, you know, being birthed to being in a Jaffa to being implanted. And it's only when they're implanted that he can be like, hey, I'm Tanith. So does that mean he's naming himself? Or did, or did the Gwold queen who spawned him name him in the womb? That would make more sense. And you're just like, they just innately have this knowledge of their name. That's interesting. I mean, I'm guessing this is one of those things we never get an answer to. No. I mean, it, it could be that he picked his name. Like, I mean, he has all the genetic memories of all the gold came before him. So it could be that he kind of like, in while being in, in uh, Shawnock's belly, thinking about names, you know, for himself. You know, he's got a little lit like a chalkboard and he's just scratching <laughs> off names he doesn't like. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't, we never get the answer to that. So Lovely. let us know what you think. Do they name themselves? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, turns out that Tanith was lying. Shocked. To, I'm yeah, shocked. To nobody's surprise. <laughs> Only Shawnock is surprised, and uh, only in the few moments before her death at the hands of Tanith. Extra shocked. Yeah. So they figure out what happened because Teal'c connects with his symbiote in the same way that Shawnock did, and he is shown a memory of his father, who was first primed to Kronos, being killed by Kronos with the method that if you crush a symbiote within the Jaffa's belly then its blood will mix with the Jaffa's blood and therefore poison them so yeah yeah so that it was a pretty cool shot when we saw it though he like punched right into his gold hole uh-huh yeah and I just thought the shot was cool yeah and I was just thinking about how Tilk gets his looks from his father because he was cute because damn yeah. Damn. And there, I so I've been watching ahead in the series, and and there's a point where we see a symbiote that has blue blood, and I was like, have we seen that before? And I noticed it when rewatching this episode, when Kronos takes his hand out of Tilk's father, mm-hmm. his hand is covered in blue. Well, so symbiote blood is blue. Is that because they're nobility or because they're aliens? Uh, aliens? Okay. <laughs> it was worth an ask. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and I was trying to remember if we've seen that blue blood before or not. Because I, 
I feel like we would have seen that in the first season. So either we did and I didn't notice it or they hadn't established that it's blue yet in the first season. I feel like the second is more likely because also the fancy little head decoration changed. changed. Yeah. So they just were they were just figuring it out. Yeah, probably. So as of this episode, it's canon. Blue blood. Yay. Yeah, so Shawnock's dead. And right. I guess Teal'c performs some burial rites on her. We never actually see that, but just assume that it happens. He was like, oh, I'm gonna move back to Chulak with you, and it's like, why? Not anymore. Could, couldn't have been that good, Teal. Apparently it was, but um, it's magical. I feel like now he needs to have a little time to mourn before going back to his wife because because then his wife is gonna be like, why are you so sad? And he's gonna have to explain. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna show up and she's gonna be like i smell treachery all right she can see it on his face and this whole thing too like she came with braytax code to get into the sgc and she was like braytax believes me that i you know converted the symbiote blah 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 and i'm like you know braytax's not always right yeah He's wise. He's a wise dude, but he's not always right. So. He's also old. He <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah. So. And that's kind of one of those things where you would never be able to prove it until you get the symbiote into a host so it can speak for itself. Yeah. You know. So. And now they know. When Teal'c was trying to get to Tanith to get revenge for killing Shanok, the Tok'ra have to like tackle him down to the ground and I was like you can really tell that Christopher Judge played football <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that but that makes I perfect sense he did. I, I could be wrong but I'm pretty sure he did I think I'm I heard right. that in an interview <laughs> but like yeah that <laughs> that looks like some football tackling. And it took five Togra to hold him down. And the Togra are talking about how it's hard for them to procure gold symbiotes because they don't have any Jaffa in the ranks. I'm like, well, you know, maybe y'all should be a little bit less racist and like start having some Jaffa in your ranks because they would be useful. Well, don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Also, yes, you're right. He played defensive back in football. Oh. I don't know what that means, but cool. A defense position. Oh, sure. The secondary. This is Wikipedia. Okay. Players on the defensive side of the ball who play furthest back from the line of scrimmage. These are words. Okay. Yeah. Sports. Yeah. I'm sure my dad knows what those words mean. Yeah, I'm sure mine does too. If you know what those words mean, good for you. I was talking to my dad about football recently and he was saying something about the second down. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. Oh, I actually do know cool. what that means. <laughs> that I know what that means. I guess line of scrimmage is like where they start during but each I feel down. Like that, Somebody yeah, who knows sports and listening to this is like crying. Um, <laughs> it's like where they start before they fling the ball backwards and then start running. That's the line of scrimmage. And then right, yeah. each down is like where they start the next pass, like the next round. Because, you know, they'll play for like 10 seconds and then they'll set up for five minutes and then they'll play for 10 seconds and they'll set up for five minutes. So 
each setup is a down. Sure. I think. Anyway, Christopher <laughs> Judge played defense. <laughs> so yes, he played football. Yeah, my well, my dad was like, you were in high school marching band for four years. Like, how do you not understand the rules of football? I'm like, what makes you think I was watching? Like, <laughs> that's not what I was there for. I was there to play show tunes. <laughs> I wasn't watching You're the hanging game. out with your friends and looking at your sheet music and just yeah. not paying attention to the game. Yeah. I won a prize at a university football game for being the most enthusiastic person in the stands. For our American friends listening, I cannot understate how small my university stand is compared to yours. <laughs> like, I guess for the States, it would be like where a high school football team plays. Probably, yeah. Actually, realistically, especially for people in like Texas, your high school stadiums are probably bigger than my university football stadium. But I was still the most enthusiastic person in the crowd during a football game. I don't understand the game at all. I'm just loud. Yeah. Sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah, we would usually have like one or two people actually watching the game so that because there was like a certain songs that we would play when they were doing offense versus defense. And so a couple people would actually be watching the game to let us know which thing that they were doing on the field so we could pick the song. (laughs) And that's that was the extent of that. Guess how many people fit fit in my university football stadium? Fifteen thousand. Oh, less. Two thousand. Two thousand. I cannot express it to you. It's a field with a track. That's like a pee wee soccer field. It's a field with a track, and there is one side of benches. Then, wow. like, like one long side is benches. One long side is the street. And then the backside is like the varsity building where the skating rink is like the training skating rink guys, or maybe that's where the hockey team plays. Yeah. That's where the hockey team plays, but it's a small skating rink. So there's a skating rink in the building and the backside, the opposite end of the field is the street. So 2000 people, they wanted to build a 25,000 seat stadium, but the city said no. So in my high school, we often most often used like there were a couple uh, a fields like owned by the school district and so we'd share them with the other schools do you want to know the capacity of the one we used most often okay eighteen thousand five hundred. this is your high school yes <laughs> i'm gonna get i'm gonna tell you where like the, the local football field i'm gonna tell you like professional football field like what the what the seating capacity is. Capacity for our soccer field, which is also where the football team plays, mm-hmm. uh, is 30,000 people. Okay. That's, that's good. That's respectable. Yeah. Still. <laughs> anyway, we got so off topic. If you're a sports fan, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> we do sports in Texas. I don't watch them, but we do sports in Texas. We do sports badly in Toronto. <laughs> Unless you're the 2019 Raptors, then apparently we did sports well. What about your hockey team? Well, they actually made the playoffs this year. Okay. Like not the like the first round of playoffs. Maybe the yeah. second round. I don't know. People were excited. 
Sure. Go team. Go team. Anyway. Anyway, Shawnock is dead. Tilk is mad. Rip. He's got to uh, go through some grief and then go dry his tears on his wife's shoulder, I guess. Tilk just smacks him in the head. And then the worm, it turns out, was lying. Yeah. He's a bad guy. But they're going to try to use him for that. They're going to not let him know that they know he's a fake so that they can manipulate him into giving away some secrets. Yeah. So we will see Tanith again. So great. Look forward to that. <laughs> I will say it threw me off in the next episode when um, it was the pretty lady with the short hair. Anise? Anise. When Anise was like here and she was also in the next episode. So for a second I'm like, she's also here. Like, are they resolving this plot point right away? But then they were saying stuff that didn't line up. So it took me a second to like yeah, it was totally different plot. Get with the program. And what a plot it was. Yeah. Okay. So next episode, Divide and Conquer. It starts off with some SG members and the Tokra planning a meeting between the president of the United States and the Tokra High Counselor, whose name I don't remember. <laughs> Doesn't matter. And Anise is there, and she. Okay, if we're gonna talk about outfits. We gotta talk about her outfit in this episode. She is wearing like business appropriate kinkwear because it's like light green leather. The top is a crop top and very molded to her breasts. And the pants have these straps that are visible going over her non-existent hips. <laughs> I'm not sure of their purpose. And then also fingerless gloves with embellishments around the wrist. You say business appropriate kinkwear. I say she's dressed like Britney Spears. Yeah. You know what? Britney Spears would wear that. Totally. And like I was like, all she needed was a little mic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Late 90s, early 2000s. For yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, this was filmed in 2000. This is like peak oops, I did it again, Brittany. It really like, is. Because I'm like, I, I don't understand the purpose of the straps on her pants unless it's to help her pull them on. I, they're decorative. <laughs> decorative straps? But like, who wears decorative straps with leather? Like, that's kinkwear. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> there wasn't any cleavage, so that's why I feel like it was business appropriate. But the, the cups that were molded to her chest were stitched to a point? Yes, that's true. They were very suggestive. I, at first I thought she, you know, was just peeping through, but then I'm like, no, it was cut that way. Yeah. A questionable choice, but... It's always interesting to see which of the Tok'ra have interesting outfits and which of them are just have like the standard like desert ops wear you know what i mean yeah so i guess because she's like a scientist then she gets to have an interesting wardrobe it's like how on movie sets the uh, pa has to dress practically but the person working in the wardrobe department can wear whatever the hell they want yeah same idea yeah i guess so okay can we just like get to the point of this episode Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm like exploding. Okay. So the 
high counselor dude comes into the room and one of the SG members that we've never seen before, of course, because he's expendable, tries to kill the high counselor and does not succeed, but he does succeed in killing a couple other Tok'ra who, you know, jumped in the way of the high counselor and he then, well, I guess I should say this episode is going to talk about suicide several times. So warning now for that. This you should put guy, a warning off the top too. Yeah, I'll put it in, and I'll put some like time codes in the show notes. Yes. So this guy tries to kill the high counselor and does not quite succeed, and so he kills himself. Mm-hmm. And in the kind of fight going on, this guy does try to shoot Anise, and Jack runs across a table to throw her to the ground and save her life, which will be relevant later. <laughs> And so then we get a little speech from Anise saying that she thinks that this SG member was a Zaytark, which is basically like a mind-controlled spy. They are like implanted with a false memory and a purpose of killing somebody or achieving a certain goal. And then when they're done, they kill themselves. And so she has been studying this for a while and she thinks that, you know, she can detect them and treat them, but apparently nobody in the Tok'ra High Council believe her or or anything. And so, you know, Jack is really frustrated with the Tok'ra and she's like, I agree with you. I'm also really frustrated with them. So it's like, good lady Anise in this episode. She's like, actually on on their side for once and not trying to manipulate them and so they she has this special device and she brings it back to the sgc to first test the other members of that team that that same guy was on and then also test the rest of the entire you know sgc personnel to see if there's any more zaytarks there was one other person on that same guy's team who was one and she ended up also killing herself. So there's just lots of that going around in this episode. A little too much. Yeah. And so then we get around to questioning SG one and we have like a tiny bit of a clip show as they are recounting their mission that Anise had them go on two episodes ago to, which I honestly appreciated the recap. (laughs) it was only two episodes ago in my life it might as well have been six months ago (laughs) and uh yeah so the mission where they went to destroy a fancy new ship that apophis was building so So here's the good part (laughs) (laughs) so sam and jack both fail the test and everybody else passes and so it's only them two that they're worried about and um, Anise slash Freya, I guess it's technically Freya who's doing it, does apologize because it is her fault that they went on that mission in the first place and potentially got themselves turned into Zaytarks on that mission. And so, you know, Freya goes to apologize to Jack in his private chambers and she kisses him. Which, like, relatable? But also, like, back off. Well, I feel like Jack makes the 
very important point of this is not the time or place. Like, I might be a Zaytark and I'm being kept under, like, a, kept in confinement. This is not the time to be getting busy. You know, also, like, more to the point, she's not Sam. Well, yeah, that too. I also, so this happens. He, in his way of dissuading her by saying that like he could be a Zaytark is like I could blow here any minute and I'm like that okay sounds like something (laughs) else but then later like right after this he's talking to Daniel about it and he's like she made a pass at me and Daniel's immediate response is Sam (laughs) because Daniel knows yep Daniel can tell and Jack's like no Freya and I'm like this is bad (laughs) But then it was funny because he was like, yeah, Freya apparently is really into me and Anise is into you. <laughs> and Daniel's just like, I don't know what to do with that information. <laughs> <laughs> and that actually, like, honestly brings some question of bodily autonomy into it in that Freya is into Jack and she's saying that Anise would have to suffer so that she can get her thing on with Jack. I'm like, so does that mean you're forcing Anise to do something that she doesn't want to do because you have a thing for him? But we resolve this in the Scara episode where it's Freya's body. Yeah. It's Freya's body. But they're equally sharing it. But Anise could not survive without Freya's body. So then if the question was reversed, if Anise wanted to sleep with somebody that Freya didn't want to, would it be okay? No. Not Anise's body. Anise can hop out and in worm form try to seduce whoever the hell she wants. (laughs) And that's fine. She's got her own body. It's the worm body. body But she wouldn't be able to survive. Which is, that sounds like a her problem. (laughs) That is an interesting theory that it's okay for one, but not for the other. Because it's one person's body. The other one is a parasite. Yeah. Like, if I get sick and I have a cold, it's in my cold's best interest that I continue to let it foster. But it's Mm -hmm. my body, not the viruses. (laughs) Okay. So. Okay. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I just... I think that it just came down to how like unprofessional it was for yeah. Freya to kiss him. But, because it's okay. like, okay, you want me to get to the good part? Okay, yeah. okay, well, hold on. <laughs> Meanwhile, Martouf is explaining the situation to Sam and he flirts with her because of course he does. I don't it's, like Martouf. I never have. He has a line that's like, you know, of course, if something were to happen to you, I would regret not having that last bit of Jolinar left. But I've also come to an- adore you as well. And I'm like, yeah, that was weird. That was a weird segue. <laughs> I just, I don't like him. So this was a great episode um, for that. So finally getting to the good part. Sam and Jack are... Well, Sam decides she's going to be um, sedated so that she cannot possibly attack the president while he's in the SGC. And Jack is going to go try this risky procedure in the hopes that if it doesn't help him, at least it'll help Sam. 
if she's also a Zaytark. Mm-hmm. And then it gets angsty. They want to do the test again. Mm-hmm. Because Sam... Well, you had to back up before that. They're, but they're going to do the test again because... No, you do this. Okay. First, Sam is about to be sedated. And Jack's going to go off to do the test. And she calls out to him. And they exchange a long look in the hallway as he's like basically marching off to possibly die. And they have a really angsty look between them. So that's first. And then Sam has a revelation that there was something that they both left out of their stories and asked them both to be retested. Right. So because both- because the way the machine works is like subconsciously like even if you think you're telling the truth, if you're lying, it picks it up. And she's like, that's not what happened. You were leaving stuff out. Yep. Because of our, what was it? Because of our military rank and our working relationship. Yep. And I'm like, oh, what happened? <laughs> so nothing huge. But when they were on the ship, Sam was stuck. And basically, Jack could have just left. Yep. But he didn't. And he mm-hmm. almost died trying to get her out. And he omitted that. And then they're like, could you have let her left her there to die and gotten out? And he's like, yes. And they're like, why didn't you? And he's like, because I would rather die myself. And I'm like, oh, my God. And it was at this point where I'm like, I just need to make it like through this episode. And then and then they basically like asked him what the issue was. And he says, because I care about her more than I should. And I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> when the slow burn hits, it hits so good. They're just, and then they're like, we never, this never has to leave the room. And I'm like, what if it does? <laughs> he just, he basically admitted to everybody that he's in love with her. Yep. She did not reciprocate the sentiment well she so many words just off screen because we don't get to see her being questioned again why didn't we get to see her being questioned Uh, maybe they ran out of time but no but like all that stupid time we spent on everything else right friggin martouf we could have spent on this (laughs) but as far as i'm concerned on tv it doesn't count as reciprocation if i didn't see it Hmm. but now, my next question is, when are they going to kiss? Because they could have. They could have. And they didn't. And mm, I'm fine. Arzu has her face in her hands. She's starting horror, to cry. Horror, error. Arzu not found. I, I love winning. I don't know what it's like to lose. Yeah, what I was thinking during this whole scene was like, okay, okay, who who is witnessing this? It was only Teal'c and Dr. Frazier and Anise who witnessed this. So those are the only three people who know about their feelings for each other. And Teal'c already knows. Yeah, I'm I mean, come positive. on. Because if yeah. Daniel the Clueless knows, then Teal'c knows. Yeah. Dr. And, Frazier probably suspected. Well, she already had that conversation with Sam. Right. Way back when, during Learning Curve, I think it was. No. No, it was the uh, 100 days. Right, 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 right. So Dr. Frazier knows. Yeah. Teal'c knows. So this is just news to Anise. I'm like, sorry, Anise. Yeah. Or like, Freya, bye, Anise. We're, we're never going to see her again, so it's fine. Speaking of bye, 
<laughs> okay, well. <laughs> Can you well, tell this episode is going to make my top three for the season? <laughs> I was going to say first, I I wish I knew whether or not Teal'c and, and Frasier said anything to anybody else. Like, if Frasier felt obligated to tell Hammond what happened... And, you know, if Teal'c shared that with Daniel, you know, like, is, does it become common knowledge or not? Anybody who sees these two looking at each other knows. Yeah. This is also testing my resolve once again to look and see, like, when this becomes a thing. Don't do it. Because if this never becomes a thing, like, you're not prepared for the person I'm going to become. <laughs> Okay, so they, they finish their questioning and they realize that the only person that has not been tested as a Zaytark was Martouf. So cut to the gate room, which they've like zhuzhed up with like these hanging ta- like curtains and like a red carpet and stuff to make this like bland military installation look a little bit less bland for the high counselor and the president. <laughs> and uh, so somebody goes in and whispers in Daniel's ear that Martouf might be a Zaytark. And I'm like, I don't understand why that was your move. I don't know. I guess they're trying to be subtle about it. And Daniel goes over to Martouf to try to get him to leave the room, but his programming has already been activated. And as soon as the president walks into the room, Martouf tries to kill him. And he gets killed in the process. Martouf is no more. Rip. I don't think any of us were sad to see him go. No. I actually put LMAO in my notes, so. (laughs) I mean, I feel like he wasn't wasn't a bad person or anything, but he was just so manipulative towards Sam. And clearly was only into her because of her connection to Jolinar. And it's like... I was kind of over him. Yeah, I was like, stop no. being gross, my dude. Anyway, bye. Yeah, so, well, he's he doesn't manage to kill anybody else. He, and before he has the chance to kill himself, Sam kind of, I guess, does him the favor of killing him so that he doesn't have to because of his programming. And so then she holds his bloody body and everybody else stands in a circle and stares at them for the next 20 seconds until it, the scene cuts out. So <laughs> it was kind of awkward at the end. Nobody was inclined to help, but you know. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's fine. The present one isn't even there yet. It was a decoy just in case something like that happened. It's like, man, how would you feel being the decoy? It'd be terrifying. Like, hey, you might actually be shot at by an alien. (laughs) It's a risk he was willing to assume. Yep. That makes me wonder who it was exactly. If it was just some rando or if it was actually the vice president or something. I would think they wouldn't put somebody actually important there. So it couldn't have... Probably like a seasoned, like retired soldier or something so that he could handle himself if it came to it. Yeah, maybe. But, uh, yeah, Freya calls Martouf's death a noble sacrifice. I guess because 
she's going to be able to do an autopsy on him and, and learn more about Zaytark programming that way. But I was like, uh, I don't know about a noble sacrifice, but okay. So it ended uh, kind of awkwardly, but we had some really good Sam Jack content, so. I just need you to tell me if they ever get together, like, eventually. Like, actually, not, not like anybody you. from. No, because that's the only thing I need to know. Like, I need to know if it eventually happens. And I have something to look forward to. I'm going to look I'm it not... up. No. Then Don't tell me just yes it. or no. I'm not going to tell you. If you know, my Twitter is at Arzu. I mean, could you just let me know? <laughs> Don't tell me when it happens. Just tell me if it happens. Thank you. <laughs> you won't tell me. And I know Google is free, but I don't want too many details. I just want a yes or a no. Do they just, do they get together? I'm going to tell you. Look it up. No. Then just tell me yes or no. Okay. How about I tell you this? It's complicated. Ah! If the normal universe version, not some alternate timeline version of Sam and Jack kiss, and or sleep together. I'm at Arzu Amin on Twitter. <laughs> Just tell me. Thank you. But, well, the whole problem is the fact that they're in the same chain of command. I don't see that as a problem. I don't think well, that's a problem. Well, for the plot of the show, they treat it as a legitimate problem. And therefore, it makes the situation very complicated. Well, sure. But, like, forbidden romance is great. <laughs> Yeah, but this isn't primarily a romance show. It, but you can it, do that on the side. It's an adventure show that has men are cowards. Of, yeah, I mean, men are cowards. <laughs> it is like ninety-five percent men writing the show, so. and they're all cowards. I feel like there's only like two women that, and Catherine Powers is on my list. Yeah, Catherine Powers is one, and then Heather Ash. Also, I don't have strong feelings about Heather Ash, but Catherine Powers, I, I remember Concubine or whatever that episode was called. <laughs> Emancipation. <laughs> Emancipation. I, there was actually an interview with Heather Ash recently, and she was apparently not a Sam Jack shipper. <gasps> so why you? It's a very it's a very controversial article. People are upset about it. <laughs> As they should be. What is with this lack of taste? Now, Heather Ash is on my list, too. <laughs> For legal reasons, this is a joke. <laughs> yeah. yeah, those are the only two that I can remember offhand. That... Imagine having no taste. Couldn't right. be me. <laughs> oh, here's that guy's name. Supreme High Counselor Persis. There we go. I knew I wrote it down somewhere. I also wrote down that the actress for Anise slash Freya is 16 years younger than Richard Dean Anderson, if that matters to anybody. I am 20 years younger now than Richard Dean Anderson was then. <laughs> and still. <laughs> like, he was what, 52 there? 50? Something like that. Yeah. He was 50. When this episode came out, I was nine years old. Right? And yet. Yep. And yet. Wait, what month was this? This, like is, this man is Okay, I was 10. You were still 9. Yeah. Wait, that doesn't make sense. He was 50 then. Yeah. So he is older than my father. And yeah. still. And still. <laughs> 
anyway, was, on that note. <laughs> I was uh, reflecting that at the beginning of the episode when they're talking about which day they want to set a meeting and they're like, how's Tuesday? And they're like, how's Wednesday? I'm like, well, the days of the week are very specific to Earth. So that must mean that we're imposing our calendar on the Tok'ra in order to set a meeting. Yeah. The Tok'ra <laughs> yeah. probably figured it's easier to just go by Earth's calendar than whatever their timekeeping is. Yeah. Yeah, that just was amusing to me. It's like, well, the Tok'ra won't give us any valuable information, but they will adapt to our time schedule. So, Because <laughs> getting us to adapt to their schedule would involve them sharing information about their calendar with us, and they won't do that. So That's true. There you go. I do like, I mean, in general, I like all your notes. There's a lot of all caps. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I do like in it in the first episode when you're saying, because they're talking about how a symbiote basically acts as an organ in a Jafar's body because it, you know, supplies like the hormones and electrical impulses needed to run the immune system. Mm-hmm. And your note is, it's not an organ, it's a multivitamin. <laughs> it's a multivitamin! <laughs> and then I was like, your comment, what in the alien? <laughs> I like that you know exactly what that's for, too. Yeah. <laughs> and there's also some explicit stuff that I cannot read aloud. <laughs> <laughs> but back to this point of Jack would never. So Teal'c is like, I'm fully married, but let me quickly like sleep with this woman. Whereas Jack is like, I cannot be with this woman that I care about more than I should. Yep. He can't be with her. But at the same time, Freya's like, you down to clown? And he's like, no, no. can't. Sorry. Aww. He could. It's not like a conflict of interest. Yeah. But she's not Sam. Yeah. So. Sam's like right there and he knows it. He would never. He loves her so much. Yeah. At least not on base. Like, that's another thing. It's like doing it at his workplace. He has a yeah. full house. He can just, they can go to his house and go to Pound Town. It's fine. Well, I mean, like when, when Freya is coming on to him, it's oh, like, it, no. this is where I work, Freya. This, this is my place of work. It's fine. She's like, there's a bed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Any other final thoughts? Sam Jack forever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like these hold up for a modern audience okay. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the talk, the presence of suicide is unpleasant, but I don't think it's necessarily problematic because it was relevant to it, the device's function. It's not problematic as far as, like, time period goes. You could argue about, like, the necessity of it in the tv series at all yeah but that's a different conversation i don't that has nothing to do with the time period in which it came out yeah i do feel like the i think it was lieutenant astor mm-hmm. i do feel like hers could have been prevented because she was moving pretty slowly and i was like i don't understand why somebody is not trying to get the weapon away from her to prevent her from doing that and even if you can't tackle her right away like in a safe way it took her so long between shooting others and, and shooting herself. You could have like thrown a chair at her. Yeah. You've just thrown her off long enough to get the gun. But yeah. So I feel like they didn't try hard enough to no. stop her. So I guess that was kind of the only thing that I found truly problematic was that they could have done yeah. more in that moment. But 
Yeah. But the plot necessitated. So. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, next week we will be talking about SG1 season four, episodes six and seven, Window of Opportunity and Watergate. Arzu, Window of Opportunity is pretty well known as the number one fan favorite episode of all SG1. Watch me hate it. <laughs> so I'm excited to see what you think. Like, do you agree that this is the number one episode of all time? Okay. <laughs> and uh, Watergate has a uh, Star Trek character in it. So a Star Trek not, character not, or a Star Trek character, actor? actor? Star Trek actor. Sorry. Ooh. So I think you'll be happy with that. Are you ready for your next quote? Yes. Maybe he read your report? That sounds like Jack. Okay. Somebody has fallen asleep. And his suggestion is that they read whatever boring thing Daniel wrote and it put them right to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Throw Daniel under the bus. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, I can't figure out, like, why he's suddenly unconscious. Like, maybe he read your report. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) That's fair. I like that. (laughs) Okay, that's it for today. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would love for you to rate us five stars wherever you can. If you want to talk to us about Stargate, you can find us on our podcast Twitter and Tumblr page at Wormhole Waffles. And you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at Chelsea Fairless. Arzu, how about you? You can find me on Twitter at Arzu Amin. I'm at Arzu D2 on instagram threads blue sky tumblr the the list goes on and on it's getting out of control (laughs) at this point um yep as for the geeky waffle we are on twitter at geeky underscore waffle we are the geeky waffle on facebook instagram tiktok and tumblr we are the geeky waffle on youtube we're at the geeky waffle.com and we are on patreon patreon.com slash the geeky waffle thanks for joining us today and we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon